in Latin America, sometimes we don't want to face failure, but I, I'm a strong believer that the only way you can succeed is actually by failing a lot of times before. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the FinTech Leaders Podcast, where we learn from today's global leaders in FinTech business and beyond. Coming to you from New York City, I'm your host, Miguel Armasa. My guest today is Alfonso Poncho de los Rios, CEO and co-founder of Nowports, the biggest digital freight forwarder in Latin America that combines logistics with financial and technological tools to ship cargo around the world. Founded in 2018, Nowports is not only a Latin American company, but is quickly becoming a global powerhouse. Nowports has also raised almost $250 million in equity from great investors, including SoftBank, Tiger Foundation, Monashis, Soma Capital, Broadhaven Ventures, Moro, Tencent, YC, and many more. In this episode, we discuss Poncho's background, why he's an entrepreneur at heart, and how his family played a big role in shaping and encouraging his adventurous nature how the decision to drop out of university during his first semester led him to Silicon Valley and to eventually cross paths with Max Casal, now his Nowport's co-founder, building company culture and the importance of surrounding yourself with people who are smarter and more experienced than you to actually execute your vision, why bold, unpopular, and fast decisions are what drives startup growth and some examples that have been consequential at Nowports, Poncho's vision to build a global company instead of a local or regional firm, and just a lot more. Hope you enjoyed this inspiring conversation with Poncho de los Rios from Nowports. Poncho, thank you for joining the FinTech Leaders Podcast. Welcome. Where are you joining from? Thanks. I'm joining from Monterrey uh, in Mexico, northeast part of Mexico. I'm so excited to be here. Amazing. I think you're the first guest calling in from Monterrey that I've had in almost three years. Well, that's good. I think we, we need more uh, Regio founders. It's the way uh, people is called here. And obviously super excited on having this space with you. I, I'm a great fan of the podcast, so uh, happy to be here. Amazing. Thank you. So, Pancho, let's let's just hear a little bit about you, uh, about your story. Maybe tell us about your background, and and also one of the questions I wanted to ask you because I know you're you're a builder by nature. Maybe you can start by telling us what is the first thing that you ever built. I think that you know, if I think about when I was younger, I started coding at the age of eleven, right? So I I consider myself myself a builder. I try to just uh, be building all the time, programming, like uh, computer apps, mobile apps, etc. And the first memory I have about building something, it was just a modification of a video game that was Minecraft at that time, right? Like just making it more uh, with my own skins, etc. But that, that involved uh, some programming. And then I think my first venture, if we want to consider it on that way, it was something that was called Lookat, which was basically Uber Eats, but seven years ago, right? And in Monterey, and it wasn't in uh, it wasn't taught as a uh, worldwide app or something that could revolutionize the world, but actually it was just a local 
solution for monitoring and it worked well, but it was just a small venture. I was 16 years old at a time and, and decided to focus on other things. Do, do you think your your family realized when you were when you were a kid or early age, they realized that, that you were a builder and did they kind of incentivize this? For sure, for sure. I think my family has a great role on this. Um, since I have memory, I was really bad at school and having good grades and just like being seated eight hours straight in, at school, etc. So I, I always wanted to be building something. It doesn't matter if it's hardware, software, etc., but wanted to be exploring new projects. And I think my family just incentivized that. And at the same point, they also teach me a lot about discipline because even though they knew I didn't love school and I didn't love being eight hours at, at school, I needed to be there just, just to achieve some uh, basic education and basic learnings. And I think, uh, I don't know, I'm so grateful of that. Yeah. And actually, let's talk a little bit about that. And, and that's uh, your schooling trajectory. So you did graduate high school and then the, you went into college in, in Mexico. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Uh, I did high school. Well, I live all my life in Monterey, uh, which is a big city. It's not that big as Mexico City. And then I started college here in Monterey, too, in a university called UDEM. And just after three months, I don't know, I went into an existential crisis that I wanted to see how this programmer's life looked like in real life and just decided to to move to the Bay Area and start working at a small startup back then. So in other words, you, you, you dropped out of school to, to move to Silicon Valley and, and build something. Yes. I, I mean, I moved to Silicon Valley and my thought there was not directly like building things, but it was actually just learning more things, right? And, and by learning, I mean, I wanted to be super involved of, on how does uh, daily life in a programmer looks like, right? And which type of problems they, they face each day, which kind of solutions they work on, etc. And th that was just, I think, one of the best decisions I could take, which is taking risks and just uh, facing myself to new challenges and uh, out of my comfort zone, right? Which was college at that time. Is that how you met eventually Max, your co-founder today? Yes. The, the story is that once I moved to a startup base in California, in Palo Alto, I went to a Stanford program that is called Designership Program. Uh, it was designed by Esther Wojcicki, which Google was created on her garage. She has a lot of story uh, regarding technology and just startups in the Bay Area. And I met Max there. He's from Uruguay. He is also a software developer, super great person. And we just did a really good match since the beginning and started building things together, right? I met him there and, and he went. That's how our story started. And were you, were you set on building what, what's today now ports from early on? Or did you kind of iterate through multiple ideas? I think the problem took us there. You know, we didn't start doing logistics software. Um, if we are talking about our relationship, right? We actually just started doing freelance and page solutions and mobile apps for different persons in Latin America that we had on our networks, me on Mexico and him on Uruguay. And after some time, I remember he did an internship at a logistics company in the U.S., right? And my family had a traditional logistics company in Mexico. And that's one of the strongest things that we had in common. And we were both like too passionate about 
solving an issue that has been there for more than 75 years. All logistics are manual, etc. But that was just after like six or seven months of working together and after two years of, of knowing each other, right? So, Poncho, let, let, let's talk a little bit about the what Nowports looks today, but also maybe take us through the journey, you know, of, of the first couple of months. Yes, uh, for sure. When we started doing Nowports, I think one of the of the things that we decided to analyze in the beginning was like, is this a project we really want to leave for the next seven years, right, or eight years, etc. And we just said, like, let's have it as a part-time job and start working on it and get clients. And after that, we can quit, right? But we we saw that if you don't have enough skin in the game, you know, if you're not like 100% into it, you will never build something transcendental, you know, or or something that could actually change an industry. And we decided to both quit our jobs, quit college, and uh, rely 100% on outputs, right? And and that was one of the best things that, that we could have done because we needed to be super involved with the project and not only with the project, but with the problem that we were facing, which was digitizing an industry that has been 75 years uh, on the same way. And that was how Nowport started, but we always knew we wanted to expand into other verticals like trade financing, which is uh, right now we are one of the main partners of trade financing in Latin America. We expanded to freight insurance, we expanded to international payments, etc. So that I don't know if we had planned that since the beginning, like those specific products, but we knew we we wanted to expand into other parts of the supply chain. So I know that online today, both on social media, I mean, Twitter and LinkedIn mostly, you do talk a lot about company culture and, and leadership. Did you set out to build a specific culture from day zero? No, for sure. That uh, in contrast with like fintech products and all of that, that the culture was something that we set on day one, right? And the main the main driver of that, or or the way we thought about it, it was that if we want to really just change an industry, you cannot only build products and ship, but actually you need to change the mindset and you need to enjoy your daily basis, right? I was 19 years old at that time. And the only thing we knew is that we wanted to build a company where people like felt proud of working on and actually like just enjoy working with each other, learning, launching new things, making mistakes, etc. And we call that the Nowports way, which is the way we, we love to do the things at Nowports and the way we, we try to spend our time. Uh, and obviously like we have four values that try to represent our daily basis, right? Did you draw inspiration from maybe some other companies? For sure. I think from a lot of companies. Uh, you know, uh, we love the engineering mindset of Twitter, which uh, it's just sold almost everything through like a great product and automatization, etc. But also good col- uh, company cultures like Salesforce, uh, Google, etc. I think each company has great things, right? Uh, we try to uh, to extract the best things of different companies and bring them to Latin America and to, the, uh, to this team that... Right now, it's a challenge, right? Because you have persons in 12 different countries, uh, more than 800 employees, mostly a remote culture. Today, I'm um, recording this from home, right? So the way you, like, we knew which culture we wanted to have, but we didn't know how to how to build it, right? And, and that's something that we've been just training on, building a team around that, et cetera. And, and so let's, let's talk a little bit about that, right? You, you started the company when you were 19, uh, Max, your co-founder, is not a lot of years older, right? So both of you were on the younger end. 
but but I suspect you've also surrounded yourself and you've kind of mentioned this with experienced people for specific verticals to build the industry, to build yes. a company. Uh, maybe tell us a little bit about uh, your approach to hiring and, and building the company. For sure. I think, you know, like Nowports at the end of the day was built by two persons that even though they knew logistics because my family had a company for more than 20 years and Max did an internship uh, for one year at a logistics company, we were not experts on it. And, and sometimes that can be an advantage because you're an outsider that see some things like more simple than what they are actually are, you know, and, and you start building products that maybe cannot feed the market, but can bring some great ideas so you can revolutionize your client life. And th that's some of the greater like learnings that we have from the early days. Like you need to have a really good vision and build a great leadership team that can actually ex execute that vision. And that became our specialty or our area of expertise of Max and I, right? Like drawing the vision, knowing, what defines us as a company and how we can bring more value to our customers and just having the, the expert people around us. Our first hire was a head of culture, right? Because we wanted to build a 10x culture compared to other logistics companies. Uh, when we launched our fintech product, we hired the former CFO of American Express in Latin America, right? And we, we started just building those key positions that could actually execute and launch these products for SMEs and medium and big enterprises in, in the region. Yeah, let's talk a little bit both about your products and your process for launching because you you do have a, a good number of products that you've launched. Maybe we can start by tell us why your customers, a segment of companies that you're serving, um, why are they lacking financial services? Well, I think, you know, like Latin America, it's an underserved region on a lot of industries and financial services are included in, in those. And when we started providing logistics services to our customers and we became like their operating system for logistics transactions, right? So they could manage their importing, exporting directly to our platform and have visibility in real time for the first time, um, save more than 15 hours per week on, on reports, automate more than 15 documents per transaction, etc. We saw that that data that we had in our platform was really useful for us in order to understand like the unit economics, cash flows, and just like uh, general behavior of our customers, right? And the, the data point, it's super important because sometimes banks just rely on traditional like credit history, uh, I don't know, like bank account, traditional collaterals like warehousing, etc. And those things don't reflect the actual reality of businesses. You know, like you don't understand how does their commercial behavior are, where are their suppliers, how you can rely more on them and trust them if they have a good supply chain model, et cetera. And that's why we launched uh, Nowports Capital, right? Which is basically just based on your importing and exporting data, we can provide you more than $10 million of financing in less than two hours of approval. And we just have all your information directly on our platform. And instead of like waiting two days to get a bank uh, response and answer, you do everything to our platform, all the way from approval to payments uh, to, I don't know, sourcing to new shippers, et cetera. So when you were looking at launching these fintech products, the, the reality is that in a market like the one we have, you can partner with providers for some of these uh, solutions, but also often you can just decide to build it in-house and it might take a little bit longer, but you're going to have control. Uh, tell us about that process. You know, how did you make the decision to, I assume you build most of this in-house and, and 
Tell us about the, the fintech offering. Well, it, it all depends on the value proposition you want to provide to the customers. I will give you an example. When we, when we start Nowports Capital, which is like the, the trade financing solution that we built, a lot of what we were thinking, it's like, what's going to be our value? Right. And our value prop was not going to be on interest rate or actual like loan sites, et cetera. But we wanted to change the whole experience of like loaning capital to customers so they could import or export more cargo than what they were used with banks. And that was like the key factor when we decided if we wanted to build it in house, which was only a, a longer road uh, compared to like just partnering with another bank. And the issue of partnering with banks, it was that only it's not their fault, but they are two big corporations that they need to establish like a, really formal process of of approvals of like uh kyc etc and that's why we we built nowports capital from zero right we got operating licenses we built the software we build like our own kyc etc one of the things i've heard you say in the past is that uh, bold unpopular and fast decisions are what drives startup growth uh, so would love to hear Kind of some examples of key decisions that you made in the past, right? That that have driven growth for Nullports. No, uh, I mean, and just like trade financing comes to mind, right? When we decided that we wanted to expand into this new vertical and we wanted to create this product, we surrounded our team with like expert people, right? Like Miguel Bonilla, which leads our additional services team and. Uh, we, we built our own collections team internally and our software, et cetera. And a lot of the stakeholders, I don't know, investors or clients or um, just external reviews thought that it was the wrong decision and we needed to partner with traditional banks or other trade financing startups because we didn't know how to do fintech, which is 100% true. But what we knew or what we understood was the customer pain. And that's just the biggest, like, resource you can have, you know, like we, we knew where those customers were struggling, which kind of issues they were facing, etc. And we built a product around that. Uh, obviously, like 12 or 15 months after we started that planning, we see that that was the right decision because we wanted to change the experience. And only like when you make unpopular decisions, you, you face the the risk of just hearing someone like I told you, and, and that's 100% true, right? Which is part of the now way. It's we, we, do some mistakes, uh, but we try to move as fast as possible and learn learn fast so we can execute better on uh, tomorrow, right? Yeah, and, and if you and if you make a, a mistake, you're okay. How, how do you feel about people who come back later and say, I told you so? I guess you have to be okay with that. Um, no, I, I need to be 100% okay. I just try to to think that, that the Nowports culture, it's a little bit different in that sense because once we commit to something, you know, like I don't like selfish decisions or just like bunch of saying like, hey, we should beat this product because that's not Nowports way. I think the Nowports way is just like hearing everyone's thoughts and as a team taking a decision, right? But having owner ownership of your results, right? So the, the, the phrase that comes to mind, it's like in order to be a good protagonist, you need to be a good spectator before, right? So, I mean... Sometimes Miguel is going to screw up, but as a team, I will support him. He will need to have ownership of his decision and his project, but as a team, we will solve it and see how we can make it better tomorrow, right? Pancho, one of the things I wanted to ask you is, I talked to a lot of founders uh, around the world and, and in Latin America, and you know, in the US, it's it's a little bit more common 
to talk to a founder who dropped out of school and built something big. In Latin America, at least in, in, in the last decade, you haven't seen a lot of people like that. And, and you're, you're one of the few examples. I'm not saying you're the only one, but it's, it's less common than it is in an economy like the U.S. or even Europe. First of all, I mean, I don't know if you agree, uh, but why do you think that is? And and I imagine it was it was challenging, kind of building something at a very young age, uh, in an industry that is probably led by people who are sometimes three times your age. Totally, totally. It, it's a really good point, the one you you bring to the conversation, because. It, it just depends on, on the culture and how you grew up, right? I think in Latin America, sometimes we don't want to face failure, but I, I'm a strong believer that the only way you can succeed is actually by failing a lot of times before. And failures are not just white or black problems, right? Because sometimes we tend to think of failures on that way, like either you crush your startup or you make it into a public company or a unicorn. It, it doesn't depend. It matters on, sorry, it depends on your standard of success or failure but i think like a real entrepreneur life looks more like one failure one success one failure one success but the trend goes up right and and it's just about learning and don't doing the same mistakes again and again and again and when we started on logistics probably we were the outsiders we were not in the industry we didn't work for a big company for a lot of years so we didn't have contacts etc but we needed to be super humble to know that we were the experts on technology, but not on logistics. So we not, we not only needed to build a team that was expert on logistics, but actually to surround ourselves with partners that trusted our vision, with investors that could bet on outwards on the long term and not, ju not just on the short term, etc. And that was key, like having a complete environment of people that trust our vision and not only like investors or not only employees, because that can be risky in, in the long run. And, and are you... Are you trying to inspire also future generations of entrepreneurs in, in Latin America? I would love to. Um, I have a, a belief that you cannot create like a personal brand without your projects. You know, like uh, sometimes we see Instagram influencers or Twitter influencers that are teaching business lessons, but they have never been on the ground, <laughs> right? Like uh, just building something from zero, etc. And I hope that the way we build now for like with great values, great practices, great team, great culture can inspire someone. But I, I don't know. I, I just think like the best way I can sp inspire like uh, young people in Latin America, it's by practicing it, right? And by building, et cetera. And I hope now becomes one trending story that can inspire the future lock-touch startup in, in Latin yeah. America. No, right? by the way, I, I think you already are. So c congrats on that. But how, how? Thank you. How would you feel if tomorrow a team of of Nowport employees tells you, "Hey, we're leaving," uh, and they're key employees and they're about to launch a company? Oh, I just hope Nowport taught them a lot of lessons. Right? We cannot stop this wave in Latin America of like new ventures and just transforming industries, etc. So I definitely uh, would love like to have the Nowports Mafia down the way. I do have a belief that the mission is not achieved yet on Nowports. So that's why we don't like just say uh, to everyone like, hey, go and start working on new ventures because entrepreneurship uh, should be about solving issues that you love and you're passionate about. So if you're passionate about the Nowports mission, we still have a lot of work to do. But also if you found a stronger mission and a stronger like purpose of your life, 
you should quit tomorrow and start your, your new company, right? One of the, the topics that I think is evident for now, of course, you're, you're a regional company, of course, in, in Latin America, but you're also becoming a global company. You, you've opened offices in, in Asia, right, recently. Yes. And we, we also launched Europe uh, a few weeks ago and about to go big on Europe, like not only Madrid, but different regions there, including Italy, Germany, etc., um, that that's something we're doing before the end of 2023. How, how can we inspire and, and kind of help pave the way for for more Latin American companies to think globally and not just regionally or locally? It, it goes back. It goes back to like how you design the company and what you you are trying to build. Right. I will give you an example. Just two nights ago, I was talking with a big competitor that we have regionally and it's more mostly like a traditional company, but they, they've been in the market for more than four years and they are not passionate about solving logistics worldwide. Uh, they are just passionate about solving logistics in Monterey, which is like hundred percent fine. And it's uh, the way they think about the market and, and they think they can provide a lot of local value, etc. If, if your goal is to build a global company, I need to, uh, you need to start by having a global team, right? And a composition of people that it's not only from different countries or regions, but from different industries, from different contexts, genders, etc. So basically you need to have a diversified team uh, in every kind of way, right? And and that takes you global. When we started in Alpert, we didn't say like, hey, we want to operate on 15 different countries, but we knew logistics was such a big issue that we will need to do that, right? It's mostly like a collateral effect. Yeah, yeah, I- what one thing I, I have to ask you is, you know, you you started the company about four years ago, and and the environment was very different, um, particularly for the tech scene um, when it comes to funding, and and also there there's also less less activity on one end, but you know, funding was maybe a little bit more abundant than it is today. How has now ports adapted? To this new reality, and what's what's your take on, on what's going on today? <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, we saw like three big seasons since we started, you know, and we were we have been just like four years in the market, so that that was kind of fast. Uh, when we started, people was starting to invest in Latin America, and we saw the biggest uh, rounds. Right, uh, the moment now ports seed round was the biggest one in Latin America, which was like $8.6 million. And I think now like the biggest seed round is around like $40 million, you know? So that's that's a great progress. And then we saw COVID, which a lot of people thought that there will there wouldn't be more investments in Latin America, but we saw a boom. And now ports went from a $50 million valuation to a $1.1 billion valuation during the pandemic. And right now the, the seasonality where we are in is that you need to assume that there's not going to be more capital the next 18 to 24 months in the region. And I'm really sure there will be capital for good startups, right? But if you have a mindset that you will not have it, you will definitely outperform, right? So you need to focus on unit economics, profitability of the business, etc. And hopefully that changes our strategy, uh, comparing it to if we were going to raise more capital the next year, etc. But right now our goal is just to become like a profitable company the next six to eight months, um, worldwide uh, and operating in three different continents, right? Something that 
we had a spot since the beginning of the company was like we really wanted to be a company that made money on every single transaction, right? So th that put us on a really good spot that we don't need to change too much, but actually we don't need to optimize our resources so we can uh, increase the average transaction, increase our gross margin, and by, by that part, prepare the company for the next phase, which can be just a Series D or becoming public, etc. not on the next 24 to 36 months. Got it. Yeah, it's uh, super important. goes to show to a lot of people how keeping unit economics in mind from day zero can, can reward you in times like this. Yes. Um, yes, I agree. <laughs> so, Pancho, before we go, I wanted to ask you, uh, you you've done a lot of things. Um, you work with a lot of people. Uh, what would you say is your greatest superpower and also your biggest weakness? Okay. Uh, I, I will start by my biggest weakness. I'm someone that is still too driven by emotions. I think so. Uh, so if, if we love an idea, it's, it's difficult to just like go back and analyze if it makes sense or doesn't make sense, etc. financially, etc. I'm more like mission driven, but that, that can be a weakness in my opinion. And it's hundred percent. Uh, but one of the strengths that I have as a founder, I think so. It's just like being able to surround myself by people who can teach me a lot. You know, I have a phrase on my, on my CEO playbook, which is like, just hire people that you would work for in the next 10 years, right? So I try to have a management team, which I really admire. I just like enjoy every single conversation with them and take a lot of insights and a lot of that and be the connector, you know, between everyone. I think that's the, the biggest strength that we have uh, on our management team and me as a CEO right now. And sounds like that strength is, is kind of what helps you make up for, for the weakness. Totally. I, I think it, it can be. <laughs> awesome. Well, Poncho, uh, truly fascinating to hear your story. Sounds like you're just getting started. So there's going to be a lot more to come from you and, and we're all going to be watching. But thanks. Thanks so much for stopping by. Thanks, man. And thank you for inviting me here. I, I hope we can be here in 24 months to, to just say our progress from, uh, from back. No, no doubt okay. about that. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed this great episode with Poncho de los Rios, CEO of Nowports. If you want more interviews, make sure to subscribe, follow, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever you get your shows. It helps and means a lot. And if you have any suggestions or thoughts about the show, please drop me a line on Twitter or LinkedIn. Signing off till next week, I'm your host, Miguel Armasa.